Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Leonardo. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I am your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 124. I had to say one, two, one, two, four. One, two, four, much, much more. Rhymes. Mm-hmm. Leaves a four, eats some more. I doth protest, sir. I think on this podcast, you're more of the Leonardo. I I'm understand. More of, I understand. I, I, I'm more of the crabby guy that, that just says smart-ass shit. I know. Stabs you with a fork. I know, but I went with our, our preferences versus our roles. Oh, no. Raphael's my favorite, too. I thought you said Leonardo was your favorite. No, Leonardo's my second favorite. Oh. We did that, we did that game where... I know. You got me all backwards. I know. Raphael was number one. Leonardo was number two. I forget who your number two was. We Don, both Donatello was my number okay. two. That, that, ex- yes. I thought, I remar- I was like so surprised that you said Leonardo. I thought Leonardo was your number one. Yeah, it, it's okay. He's, he's, uh, he is a second. It's okay. He's the alternate, alternate favorite turtle. So, like in a Marvel vs. Capcom game, you know, you'd pick him after Wolverine? Mm-hmm. I have no style in Marvel vs. Capcom. I'm I'm Wolverine Ryu all the way. I don't actually have a go-to team in Marvel vs. Capcom. I'm generally just terrible at it. I'm just a masher. I pick Venom and the Hulk, and I think Bison. That's uh that that is a that is a team of intensity right there. I don't. I'm not. It doesn't matter like who I pick. I lose anyway. So I just go like I like Venom's cool. Yeah, and the Hulk. Bison. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think either one of those guys need to get possessed by Venom. Hey, what about Floppies? Oh, hey guys out there in Radio Land. Hey, Mites. How you guys doing out there? It's another uh, another week. Uh, we are both loaded. We've been loaded up with turkey mm-hmm. and uh, ate, ate that, and then read comics. That's what, that's what the, and we played Mario's too. We did. We, we did. played a lot of Mario's. It's good. We might talk about that. I think we think it might happen. It might happen. But uh, before all that, we uh, need to talk about... Oh, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Later in the show. Mm-hmm. Alias. Oh. Alias later in the show. Later in the show, we're going to be discussing Alias and Herbo Book Club, uh, the entirety, issues 1 through 28, the, uh, the birth of Jessica Jones, just recently premiered on Netflix. That'd be a good place uh, to read all that. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Now, Eric... Now we can get to comic books that came out this week. Oh, yes. Not not in the early 2000s. Not in the early 2000s. It is time for Weekly Floppies. <laughs> Weekly Floppies is the part of the show where Eric and I review this week's books, tell you to buy or do not buy them. Uh, there might be a mush meter involved, you know, depending on how mushy we are. You know, sometimes we're mushy, sometimes we're not mushy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're defiantly not mushy. Like Sometimes we're firm. Very firm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kool-Aid man. I don't know why I'm making that noise. <laughs> Kool-Aid man says hanging out in our podcast. Hey, Kool-Aid man. I... Do you read Silk number one? 
Yes, nope. I did, because it's actually me. Oh, I thought it was Kool-Aid Man was in here. No, sorry, not playing that game. I didn't know if, I didn't know if he read any comic books this week. He only he only reads Kool-Aid brand comics that are mostly about Kool-Aid and no. not the, not about the uh, single page Kool-Aid Kool-Aid comic ads that were mm-hmm. used to be in like Spider-Man in like 1987. I just remember the Hostess fruit pie ads. Yeah. But they they did they did they've done new generations. They did a Spider-Gwen Hostess fruit pie ad, I think. They did. I swear they did. They did. I liked it. Okay. First book this week is Silk number one. We have a trio. Actually, all our issues this week are all number one. Amazing how that works. Amazing how there seems to be always enough number ones to do that. Uh, it never ends. Never. Silk number one, written by Robbie Thompson, Art, Stacey Lee, Ian Herring on colors, Travis Lanham on letters. Uh, re- relaunching uh, Silk, which launched, uh, is it this year or was it or late last I wanna, year? I want to say it was this year. Yeah, there wasn't that many issues of it. Not yeah, it doesn't seem like it, it was that long ago. Um, but uh, It definitely launched the same month. As the new, as when Spider Gwen got out of, uh, got its own book. Yeah, it was all out of Spider Verse. All this, all mm-hmm. that stuff came out of here. Um, uh, Silk is, uh, uh, unfamiliar. She came out of a vault, like in Fallout, a bunker. She locked away for a decade, and now she's out fighting crime. She's, a uh, she has Spider Man powers. Right? Right. She does. It's exactly, it's, it's Kimmy Schmidt plus Spider Man. It, yes, perfect. 100%. Now uh, we have her kind of flirting with doing bad stuff for uh, the Black Cat, but mm. maybe not. Oh, twists. Um, Twist. I still really like this comic book. There's no reason to not like it. It's, yeah. It's fun. It's super cute. Uh, it has J. Jonah Jameson it, in it. A lot of J. Jonah Jameson this week. There is. Yeah, you're right. Just, he's just all over the damn place. I... I don't know. It's it's really cute. It's well done. It's an excellent example of what a modern comic should be. I enjoy it thoroughly. Um, Looks really nice. It does look really good. Um, I'm not overly whelmed. There's nothing. There's nothing that really grabs me. It's it's kind of. Uh, I'm trying to think. I can't think of what like I would compare it to, even though I think it's in the same sort of vein. As the, uh, I mean, Helen Chin, I think that's what's throwing me. It's making me think of uh, um, Gotham Academy, because Helen Chin did the cover. Um, there's there's nothing really superlative about it. This A book like this just sort of feels like the new normal now. Yeah. And, I mean, I like it. It's a good, solid book, but I don't like, I'm not, like, crazy excited about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is... It's not, there's nothing, it's not doing anything, like, new. It, you know, mm-hmm. it's, there's nothing in it that's, like, crazy, like, oh, wow, this is, so, like, the only thing about it that's even remotely, like, different is that, oh, it has a, you know, a, a female Spider-Man analog. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. and it's not like that's the, she's the first one of those. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it, it just does, like, this is what I want from a superhero book. Like, uh, run yeah. of the mill, it's not gonna, you know, I don't need to read, like, you know, new takes on superhero books all the time. No. Sometimes I want kind of bread and butter stuff, and this fills that need for me. It, it's 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 nice that this is kind of doing the, the, the this is doing what the Amazing Spider-Man isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, that is like it's trying to do something different, and this book's quote unquote trying to do something different is actually having a female lead, even though I mean, 
I mean, in in the, the the book that we're reading for book club, they make mention of three different spider women. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so it's not like this is a new thing, but I, mm. her costume's better than Spider Woman's costume. It well, it the old Spider Woman costume. Jess's Jess's old costume was horrid. Yeah, I, which I, is strange because this really isn't that different. It's just I don't know. It's cute. I like it. I like the bandana. I like how she's wearing a scarf. At her job, that's basically the same thing that she wears as a superhero. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a real Clark Kent moment there. Yeah, it's great. She works, and, and like, like literally, she works for J. Joe Jameson. Like, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, doing what what Peter Parker did, but he likes silk. Like J- he does. Like, Jameson likes silk. I like that. Uh, I, I'm it a might, lie. It might, it might remind him of his 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 uh, adopted daughter. Oh, that's true. I, I don't know. I wonder if that, they might. Maybe that will come up. Maybe so. I, I'm a buy. No more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no reason not to buy it. Although, to be perfectly honest, I may forget about Silk the same way that I forgot about it before. Because it's not one of those books I'm excited about. But it is st- certainly very good and worth your money. Uh, our next book is one I have been very curious about. Uh, did you say double buy? I did not say double buy, but I will now. Double buy, Silk number one. Say that's That just makes my day. Oh, I was on the right page. I don't know why I got off it. Our next <laughs> book is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Number One, written by Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader, art Natasha Bustos, colors Tamra Bonvillon, letters Travis Lanham. Once again, um, when this got announced, I didn't know what to make of it because uh, Devil Dinosaur is a crazy creation of Jack Kirby um, mm-hmm. that existed in a weird vacuum in Marvel. Uh, you know, he, he famously is, we, we read Devil Dinosaur made an appearance in Next Wave. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, why would I, how can I ever forget Next Wave? I'm, I'm just, you know, I, people do not have perfect memories. Seems like he showed up in something else too. Yeah. He, sh- he was in, uh, Steve Rogers was riding him. In, yes, in one of the, uh, Battle, Battle Worlds, uh, tie-in books. The yes. Green, the one where, uh, he goes to, he went to Greenland fought the Hulk, the Hulks, plural. And mm-hmm. this uh, is seeing a uh, a young girl named Lunara, I believe is her name, right? Not a real name. Not, not I don't, I mean, uh, Lunella, excuse me, Lunella. I was close, but not close enough. Who is, you know, she's a, a very bright young child. How old is she? Did they ever say? Mm, I got like a pre-teen. She looks to be like, yeah, she looks to be like 10, 12. That's what my guess. I don't yeah, know if they... Tween, tween sort of age. Yeah, and she's a bright kid, but bored in school. And uh, uh, she summons Devil Dinosaur. <laughs> to... Because of course. Because of course. And uh, that, I mean, that's kind of the setup for this story. I, we we do get Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur in the past. Or, or not, I don't even, it's weird. It's a weird thing. That whole Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy are weird characters and who existed in a weird world. And, uh, but I, we don't really, this is a lot of setup. It's not necessarily you're getting yeah. them together. Yeah. You don't see There's... them actually together until the very end. This is, the, yeah, it's it's a little too dwelling a little bit and being a little too cinematic. I would rather it get to the more heart of the story, but at least it, it does end on the moment of, you know, of, of devil dinosaur getting into the story. And you're like, oh, there's a dinosaur and a kid, but you got that on the cover. So I don't know. 
I think we could have jumped to that a lot quicker. Yeah. A, uh, lot, a lot quicker establishment of all this stuff. I think the you didn't necessarily need all that stuff with Moon Boy and, and Devil Dinosaur, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I like all that setup with Lunella. I like her mm-hmm. seeing her, you know, her situation. Like, I feel that character stuff, you know, it's not necessarily, like, you know, wholly original. Like, of course, there's tons of un- misunderstood nerds in comic books. Uh, but th- I liked, you know, seeing where, how she exists. But then... I don't know, all that stuff with Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur felt like you could come back to that maybe. But I still like it. It's still, this is not normal. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, like, with them together. Like, are they going to be a superhero team? Like, she's still just a girl. I don't, like, I don't, like, I'm very curious to see where this book goes because I have no idea. Um, I like the art a lot. I think it fits the... No, it's it's really beautiful. It makes me think about... uh... Uh, Takashi Miyazawa an awful lot and her mom looks just like uh Squirrel Girl's roommate look again what page is this I don't even know At page nine yeah she's like the grown-up mm-hmm. the grown-up like hey I got I grew up and had a kid and she but she does yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely does yes I never I didn't even think about it um I think this probably could have been done a little bit better but I still really like it. I'm a buy. It's it's still really delightful. I I think uh, you know I want to hate this book, but this her her uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson poster on like the second page. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me, page three. That's what pushed me over. <laughs> she totally has a Neil deGrasse Tyson poster. Science it just says science. It's so dorky. Yeah. <laughs> and it and guys, it's still called the theory of evolution. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just because it's well supported with evidence doesn't mean it's not a theory. Yeah, that's the problem that's is theory the, the problem is with the the you know cultural understanding of what the word theory means versus yes. that it's not a theory. It is a theory, but yes. what we think of as a theory is not necessarily what actually a theory is. Mm-hmm. It's like the theory of relativity or the theory of gravity or you know, it's an idea. It's a concept. Yes. <laughs> Not, it's not like oh we don't know about this yet. You know, it's not we, the it's not the evolution guess. The book the book is still out on gravity. I'm not sure yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a pretty well open and shut case there. Uh, and calling it a theory does not make it weaker. I think it's kind of a silly a silly uh, uh, little aside in this book. I, I know I. She's the kind of nerd that, you know, she's a young nerd, so... Maybe. Young, young, precocious child. Yeah, so, you know, I'm not... I also got into really dumb arguments about what words mean when I was a child, so... Mm-hmm. Well, the word theory means exactly what the theory of evolution... I mean, it, it has not changed. I Yes, I agree. In our you. lifetime. Well, are you a buy on this, sir? Yes, and and on uh, the theory of evolution. Okay, good. Double, I'm, a, I'm a buy, too. Hey, we'll, we'll, I'll double down. You'll double, you'll double down on double, a double buy. Double down on a double buy for both Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur number one, and the theory of evolution. Mm-hmm. Double buy on that. Yes, the origin of species. That's a, it's a winner. Did not come out this week though. It did not. Our next book is Venom Space Knight number you can't one. Can't even say it without laughing. It's a, it's a weird thing. Yes, it is. It's a strange thing. Uh, it is written by Robbie Thompson, who uh, wrote Silk, and uh, artist Ariel Ariel o- Olivetti, letters Corey Pettit. Um, uh, like, the title kind of tells you what? I, it's, like, did you ever read Rom Space Night? Rom Space Night, no. It, 
seventies and eighties comic, mm-hmm. yeah, about mm-hmm. robots and space knights, and it had its own crazy backstory and, and lore and stuff, which will never actually be seen again in Marvel because they don't own the rights to it anymore because it was a toy line tie-in. Where the comic book actually ended up being like way further, like than the toys ever got. It, it's a weird thing, but you know, I, I think this is a clear homage to that. You know, at least with a space knight kind of title. Um, I like Flash Thompson Venom. I I do too. Flash Thompson is the best. You know, like the the Rick Remender, and then the late, then after the the Cullen Bud Venom series, I really That's, I really mm-hmm. liked it a lot. I didn't necessarily like the way that you know what Bendis did with him out in space. Uh, but I this is not like the perfect Venom book. But it's you know it's, it's silly and it's dumb, but yeah. it, it it actually. There's a there's a mark there and it hits it. It's not exactly what I want, but I mean I'm getting Flash Thompson Venom again. Yeah. It's fun. It's not horrible. The art is as beautiful and European as I could want in any silly comic book. I have been hit and miss on all of that Ogres. Uh I remember. He he looks like he's a big fan of uh a lot of a lot of the humanoids guys. I mean I would I would say Corbin, I would say uh Charest. Yeah, and I mean, but this is the best I've ever seen. This. Like, oh, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it really suits his style for the weird alien stuff. Oh yeah, because I've the most of what I've seen him was he did a run on uh, Punisher and he did stuff with uh, Bishop and Cable when they were. I don't know if you were, if you were even aware of the stuff where Cable had to rescue baby the you know keep, save the baby and Bishop was chasing him and like all of that he did a lot of stuff in that did a lot of stuff in Punisher back in the thousands and that's all the stuff I read and I don't it was fine but I, this looks so much better and I think it's a lot because like look at the crazy aliens mm-hmm. and I don't know it looks really good I really like it and you're right it's not I don't know it. It's a weird thing, Venom out just being like a, a gallivanting space adventure kind of thing. But it is offbeat, it's kooky, and it stole the robot from a Hitchhiker's Guide. Mm-hmm. And uh... Absolutely, it did. It's not even <laughs> subtle. No, but I'm fine. It's fine with me. I don't care. Uh, no, of course not. I'm, I'm a buy still. Like, I, I am just getting a Venom Space Night book where, you know, it's just him and him doing stuff. I'm on board. I want to see where it goes. I'm a, I like it. Yeah, I I think uh, they have they have found a sweet spot of just dumb, silly comic booky fun. Somehow it works, and I I I don't know. It's a good popcorn comic book. Yeah, and, and God damn, is it beautiful? Yeah, it looks really. It, it, I, I I was really hesitant about all of like I'm like oh Olivetti and like I you know his style is so. It has a home in this kind of. I don't. It really it, does. It really works really well. Um, double by Venom Space Knight number one. You ever think I would say those words in sequence, Eric? It's th- those are that is a weird word salad if ever I've heard it. Our next book is Ringside number one. Thought you know that I would make us read a wrestling comic book. You know, if I was going to pick out books for this week, I think we would have ended up with the same five books. Okay. So I'm like, well, it has to be this, and it has to be this, and Robbie can't not talk about the wrestling comic book. So yeah, yeah it is. Uh, rest, uh, ringside number one. There are credits in this book somewhere. Um, I, I went right to them. Uh, thirty-eight, <laughs> like the last, last page. page. Yeah, the last page. All right. Uh, created by Joe Keating and Nick Barber. Joe Keating on right. Uh, Joe Keating writer. Nick Barber artist. Simon Gao. 
on colors. Ariana Mauer, letters. Shauna Matsuzak, editor. Design and layout by Addison Duke. The logo designed by Brandon Graham. Oh, really? I have to go look at the logo now. Um, it is, uh, this is, uh, um, oh, why can't I think of the name of that movie? Um, The Wrestler? The Wrestler. I'm an idiot. <laughs> it is very it, rem- reminiscent of that. Uh, you know, an old kind of washed up wrestler. This is not necessarily all about, I mean, there is a bunch of stuff in here about wrestling. Mm. I don't know how much of that is going to be ingrained in the rest of this book. Um, I'm sure it will always be tangentially connected to it, right? But it feels very much like how Southern Bastards is, you know, there's it's high school football. Mm-hmm. It, this is kind. Of, it feels kind of right. like that. This is this is it's walking tall plus football, and this is walking tall plus wrestling. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's like this dude needs to do something. Hell, there's even a guy with a baseball bat on his wall. <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. even. Uh, but yeah, there's obviously this guy has kind of burned a lot of his bridges uh the main character i I like this book it's really i'm interested to see where it goes um i i don't i'm I'm, i mentioned southern bastards i don't think it's as good as southern bastards but no it clearly isn't but i still kind of like it i like this character i'm interested in him um i'm interested in this world i I mean i'm a wrestling fan so i'm already kind of halfway there because there aren't very many good wrestling comics like or even average wrestling comics, most of them are awful. Um, the only other good ones I could think of are the ones where the thing wrestles like monsters and, and intergalactic aliens and weird human things. Like it's that—that's the only wrestling comic I can think of. Box uh, Brown, baby. Box Brown, that's true. That I don't, you know, that's more of a a, a bio comic, I guess. Yeah, I the Andre the Giant is. I'm wondering if he did more. Hmm, yeah. I think if if he if he did more. They would be, they'd be good. Yeah, I think so. But I, I'm a buy on this. I, I, the art style. What do you think about the art, Eric? I'm curious about that. I, I like it a lot. It's got like a, a weird simplicity to it. It's like a bright and happier Mike Mignola. I was just thinking a, those words. It's, it's got a little bit of that Brandon Graham influence in there too. I mean, it's, it's. I like it a lot. I could, uh, I could see this book. I would read this pretty regularly just based on the art. I really dig it. I really, really dig it. I like the way it looks. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I, I feel like there. this is interesting enough that it could, you know, stand on its own, um, not being the wrestling comic. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like that that is the true test of anything um, Southern like Bastards is just the dog-shitting comic, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I feel like it is on the press of, like, I'm going to wait and see, like, see where the story goes, but I'm intrigued. I am a buy. Yeah, I'm, uh... I'm pretty pumped up over it as well. It's a good book. Absolutely. Uh, double buy, ringside number one. Finally, finally. I say this one for last. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> oh, God. Wait, let me get to, to let my iPad decide it's going to let us read this comic book. Okay, here we go. Come on, buddy. Oh, nope, nope, nope. Not going to. Okay. It is Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, book one. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Story by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello. Pencils by Andy Kubert. Inks by Klaus Jansen. Colors by Brad Anderson. Letters by Clem Robbins. And covers by 500 million different people. There are quite a few There's people. There's m- many covers of this. A lot of them are amazing. The jo- Have you seen the jock cover for this? 
No. You need to that is it's very simple but really and a lot of them are really awesome. I mean, obviously, tons of people in the comics community right now have were influenced by Dark Knight Returns and most of them like do some Dark Knight Returns fan art. And they're like, "Okay, you're going to pay me to do that?" All right. Yeah. I'd do this shit for free. Um, okay. And, and a lot of people do. Frank Miller, uh not a lot of great stuff lately. No, this is the not to keep you in suspense, this is probably the best thing I've read from Frank Miller in a in a long, long, long time. Uh, yeah. Um, e- easily. E- yes, easily. Easily the best thing. Um, it's not. Yeah, you know we we read uh All Star Batman Robin. Great book. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Uh, it's like that Modest Mouse album. Good news for people that like bad news. <laughs> Um, yeah, and this is, you know, it's, it's as better, it's as good as, I mean, like, I think the last thing for, that Frank Miller wrote that I enjoyed was, uh, 300. And even it has its problems. Um, but this is, I don't know, it, it, it is hard to live up to my memories of Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. And you're, and, and, and you you know, it, it's, those are, when you are, tr- you're trying to make a third, when the second, you know, Dark Knight Strikes, Strikes is not, is, that's not a, it's not that good. Um, I, I don't know. This is not bad by any means. Um, I, I just don't know how to judge it when it's in this legacy. Mm-hmm. Like they're not there. It is a sequel to Dark Knight Returns. Like it is in that in that line series. Like they are not hiding from that. I I I'm. It's much better than because I had no expectations for this, or mm-hmm. at least expectations that it would be bad, no matter. Uh, I'm I'm interested in number two. It's got me doing yeah. I want to read number two. I, I you know, I want to see where this goes. To be fair, I wasn't convinced after one issue that All Star Batman and Robin was bad. Okay. But I, I feel and it's bad. It's only sort of looking back on it with the picture of the whole thing that I'm like, yeah, this is really bad from the get go. Um I don't know. I wonder if Azarello is sort of grounding him or reining him in or... Well, I mean, collaboration how... can... Yeah. You know, having a person to bounce things off of and you know, I... and the person to say, no, that's not a good idea. Let's not do I... that. Right. I think that that is a big reason that George Lucas screwed up the second Star Wars trilogy as he became the boss man that was like, oh, yeah, I'm a billionaire. I'm going to make this movie. And everyone's going to be like, oh, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't know. I I definitely think collaborative art is superior. I, I don't know. I don't really buy the myth of things being made in a vacuum. It very rarely happens. I mean, even mm-hmm. novels, you know, yeah. which are as close as you get to, like, a vision of a singular person, usually there are editors. And they will, you know, yeah. they, they shape and hone things. Yeah, they're un- unsung heroes, people that tell you your shit doesn't work, and you can do better, and I think we all need that. Yeah, I don't know, I, and I, Andy Kubert's art uh, is, is, I, is very, I mean, it, it feels like he's going for like, hey, let's make it, you know, Frank Millery a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a bi, but I don't know, it feels like I'm, you know, like I'm the edge of a precipice. And any well, I, one issue could just push me off. We're all terrified that this is going to go badly really quickly. Really, really, really quickly. And I think that we're all 
we're all kind of holding our breath. Like, oh, there's no horrible racist rant in this one. Yay. We should probably buy this book. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, it, it's hold your breath and wait. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, one was one was bad. Yeah, in, in, in the meantime, you can buy this book. There yeah. really are really are some fucking heavy hitters on this cover list. The point size is so small, I'm going blind reading it. Well, they had to list 40 names, so... I love that they list John Cassidy and Laura Martin. That makes me happy. I like the two of them working together. Yeah, she colors him. She, I, I don't know if, about usually, but I know she does a lot. Well, I mean, everything I've read has had. Is that right? I think did I, she did she color um the Hell Ellis book Planetary? Uh, yes, yeah, she did. I have her signature on my copy. Excellent. I should have brought mine. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it. I I I honestly want this book to be good, so I, I'm hopeful. Yeah. I am hopeful. I this one was. It intrigued me enough to want me to read two, so buy that double buy Dark Knight Three: The Mass. In that ma- why is it called the Master Race? Number one, that's such a like after everything that Frank Miller. Cult- like, I know why would they name it that, but whatever. Uh, and apparently DC is writing this book a lot. Like they really need this book to do t- for to do well for them to you know make money. I I over the I next hope quarter, it. I suppose. Well, it'll probably be a huge seller for them. I, I I mean, we're, we'll just be lucky if it doesn't, like, start beginning with a, a hashtag all lives matter. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, so far it's, I don't really like that weird, whatever, that texting, or I don't know how. Yeah, that's, that is that is not accurate to the way people talk. No, not, and I don't, I mean, yeah, I know it's in the future, theoretically, mm-hmm. but. That is the way people talked in the 90s. Well, yeah, I've tried to parse it out, but no. otherwise, double bar. It was, it was, I seen him, the CN, that's yeah. what it meant. Yeah. I, no I mean, I ever used that ever. I understood what it meant, I just was like, I don't like it, I hope that it doesn't make up another appearance. I don't need every issue starting off with, you know, that. No, I don't think it will. I um, I did not read anything else, uh, that came out this week, because I didn't, I don't, did you, we were eating turkey. Uh, yeah, I had, uh. Too many other things to worry about. Busy times. Mm-hmm. Family. Protecting protecting the Commonwealth. Uh, yeah. I mean, fam- I mean, family stuff. <laughs> uh, well, that we can call. Uh, we we call it call call it call, end stop uh, move jump. Yes, end times good. <laughs> it is time. Uh, uh, jump over to our next site, which is checking in. Checking in is the part of the show when Eric and I will talk about what we've been up to during the week. Uh, yeah. Eric, what do you want to talk about? Mm, you want to talk about how much you love my Mario Maker level? Your Mario Maker level is... Apparently, I, apparently, according to the notes, I stuck it up my butt. <laughs> I don't remember that happening. You know, I, 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 I don't know. I have my butt here, and it doesn't seem to have Mario Maker stuck up, but I think it's still inside your Wii U. Oh, okay. The digital copy of I, Mario Maker I, I have. I, I, I don't think it managed to 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 make it up my butt. Oh, just, okay. Just to just to put you straight there on the story. Your level is a garbage level, but I appreciate your your, your dedication level. to the troll. <laughs> Do you want to explain to everyone what has happened? Well, okay. Um, 
I think it's it's your hate is delicious. Eric, uh, Eric came over over the Thanksgiving break for uh, for uh, an evening, afternoon, evening. We hung out and we played a lot of Mario Maker. Uh, you know, we went. Eric played some of my levels. Um, I played all. I finished all your levels. Did you? Okay. All the uploaded ones. Some of well, that yeah. Some of them are not great. Uh, That's fine. They were fine. Yeah, they're some of them are. Yeah, they're fine. Um, and then we played through a bunch of random levels. On the from the from the internet from Mario Internet and uh, Eric as he is wont to do woke up at what three a.m. on I want to say it was six okay six that that's actually late for you um yeah I know I've been actually able to sleep a little bit a little bit a little bit um and uh, when I woke up he was finishing off his level which I had mentioned all the things I hate the most. Mm-hmm. In Mario, which is uh, auto scroll levels, timed levels, mm-hmm. and underwater levels. So mm-hmm. uh, Eric decided to make a level that hit all of those things. That's that is that is what happened. And just a whole bunch of random garbage uh, that spews <laughs> out at you the entire time. It's, it's not you, a lot of random garbage. You have to swim for your for your life the entire time, or you'll run out of time. Uh, there's you're chased the entire time by the angry heat seeking bullet bills, and there's fish. And there's, there, yeah, there's the fire sticks. There's, it is a hallmark of the things I hate. <laughs> so you achieved that. You really, you got a perfect storm. It's honestly, it's not that bad a level though, considering no, like you can actually is, beat it relatively easy. Yes. It was, I did not want to be like a very hateful level. I just sort of wanted it to feel really intense. It's not, I think, as as evil as most of the levels that we played yes. and failed at. The ones where there's just invisible blocks over every gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> just, what do you think of, have, now that you've played Mario Maker, what are your, your thoughts? I am really excited about it. It's a cool and, thing. Oh, it's wonderful. You think there's an, like, the main criticism I've heard of that game is that it's not, like, there's not a whole bunch of game there. Yeah. I'm, but I disagree. There's tons of game. It's just all Mario. You know, it's not, it's just, you know, the, the game portion is, like, the back and forth between people making things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and that, that it's very unique game. There's no other games like it, really. But I, I like, yeah, that was fun playing it's always fun playing with other people oh yeah it's it, it's not even like a two-player game but just having people like getting jumping into pits over and over and over again or swamps killing you inexplicably like that's the way to play those awful crazy punishing levels I, it's a lot more fun when someone is there to laugh when you die <laughs> oh yeah no it's it's delightful i think it's it's a really good example in my opinion of uh sort of what a modern game should be like it takes something and and really pays homage to like older games but that whole crowdsourcing and interaction with others like it's it's kind of amazing you know and it 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 gives you an experience that can be unique every single day it's not linear and that's fantastic it's it's a really cool model and i I don't know that I want every game to be this. And it's not like it's that unique. I mean, you've been able to you know, use people's mods in, uh, you know, Skyrim and Fallout 3 and hell. 
there's there's been stuff like that before, but I I like that Nintendo's adopting it and they've done it so well because it really is wonderful. Turkey as well. Want to talk about turkey? Not really. Okay. The less said, the better. <laughs> People can't effing cook turkey. We've had this just this com this conversation. We had the the turkey and, and, I ate actually wasn't half bad. Yeah, I mean the turkey that we had also wasn't horrible. I just know that my family can't cook it for shit. Um, this is not. This is not, of course. This is discounting my brother and his wife, who are both excellent cooks. I will say, it, uh, it, sh- she cooked Thanksgiving dinner for us last year, and it was effing amazing. It, it's there's a reason a lot of people don't like turkey. Oh yeah, because they don't know how to effing do it. It's because their parents or whoever in charge of making mm-hmm. the turkey just you know yeah cooks it until it's completely yes. dry and awful. Put a frozen turkey in an oven at 500 degrees for 22 hours. Mm, uh, take it out when it's black, and then and then <laughs> eat ashes. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's it's terrible. People need to learn. I tell you, you 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 defrost it, you brine it. You get a probe thermometer, then you eat food that's good. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm all not, for that. It's not that complicated. It's not that hard. No. I'm still playing Fallout 4. It will never end. I, I, yeah, I'm still finding things. Oh, absolutely. I'm still, I'm, I'm 90 hours in. I just got, I, I bought for like 500 caps that uh, 50 caliber suppressed sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have to make it. I have to be, like, level 25 before I can get the perks to do it. To make a suppressor, I have to be level 25, but I just bought one. Yeah. It is amazing. Just, I don't know. People can't, people don't live. I, I took off my suppressor because I just want, I wanted the extra damage. Mm, I I'm, get it. And I'm sneaky enough that it doesn't matter. They can't see me anyway. I guess that's true. I'm, I am, I don't have enough points. I, I have to level up more to put the next perk into sneak. I'm still low level. Yeah, after you level up all your sneak and then you find all the sneak magazines, the stealth. Oh, yeah. You, it it takes a concerted effort or a robot to find you. Those damn robots. A concerted robot. A concerted robot. Have you run into an Assaultron yet? Yeah, he, he was a bastard. Their, uh, their, their head ray. I don't even remember. I just remember he was a dick. They have a big laser from their head that kills you very quickly if it hits you. I guess. Um... I have one other game that I played briefly, but I feel like it's three dollars on Steam. It's called was three dollars or is, is always that's $3. full price is three dollars. I bought it for okay. two dollars during the during the Black Friday sale, the Thanksgiving weekend sale. But at full price, it is three dollars. It's called Downwell. Uh, it is you know very simple graphics. Um, it's a it's a roguelike. Uh, it is you start you are a dude. And you jump down a well, and you have gun boots, and uh, as you go down the well, you kill enemies and collect jewels and buy upgrades to your gun boots and to your, all your abilities. And you are, you're trying to get to the bottom. I'm seeing it for two bucks. Regular price is three. Regular price is three dollars. Wow. One third off. Yep. This, this game looks like some old school stupid. It, I mean, it's that. What I said is what the game is. You fall yeah, down it, a well and you shoot stuff with your gun boots. Um, but a game. It is. It is. It is black and white and red. You can change. You can unlock new colors. That's kind of cool. So, like, as you go, you'll unlock new. Like, forget what the word they use to describe it, but you can basically make it look differently depending on how you know what you've unlocked. Um, 
looks very Metroidy. Yeah, it's which it, I also it also endears me to it. It's uh, very simple. You you have, there's like you shoot and jump is the same thing. Like, have you heard of a Have you heard of a game called Curses and Chaos? No, I think it's I think it's on Steam. We can talk about that real quick. I don't have it, but it's one that I want. It's got a similar, very stripped down pixel art style. You should look it up. It's tribute games. Anyway, you can finish talking about Downwell. I mean, it's not, that's, I mean, like, I have been, it's very much like, hey, I want to play something. Fallout 4 is, a, like, is oh, yeah. a thing. Like, I'm going to be playing it for hours. But if I have 15 minutes and I just want to, like, play a game real quick, I will play Downwell. I'll just get a couple games out of that. And, you know, it's it's very much fun, action, arcadey. Don't have to think about it. It is, it gets pretty tough near the, as you get lower and lower. But it's, mm-hmm. it's such a, like, a simple controlling game. What do you what what do you control it with? I just use a I'm my Xbox one. mouse keyboard. Use a you can use, use a controller. You can use either. You can use a controller or a mouse and keyboard. Do you think they could release this for iOS and Android? Yeah, I think so. I think you. Could, I I you would could like probably... this would be a really good uh, this would be a really good mobile game if they could figure out the controls. Yeah, it it's, looks, I think it looks really nice. I would love to have this on my my uh... making it touch controls. I think would work. It just you know it's. I think it would take some figuring out. It might need to. It might need to be, might be a, another generation of it, like a Downwell Two, or you know. Well, this it has been very successful. It has. Got, That's awesome. It's done very well. I mean, the fact that it only costs three dollars at full price is a, a a pretty. It's a pretty good deal. You get a bunch of game for three bucks. Um, if you don't mind, you know that kind of. I I like the retro style. I think it looks neat. Um, I think it looks amazing. I love the art on this. Yeah, there's lots of weird little subterranean monsters in there. There's a lot of little Metroids you have to kill. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, between Fallout Four and Turkey, got a little downwell in. But yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's good. It's fun. Fun game. Three bucks. One of the curse curses and which is curses Curse, and chaos. Curses and chaos, spelled like ghouls and ghosts, and it's very ghouls and ghosts uh, sort of inspired. Okay. You sh- you should. It's really uh, it's really cute. I think you'd I think you'd like it. And if you're not familiar with uh, tribute games, you really should be because. They are kind of amazing. What's They're one of my favorite game developers. What else have they made? Wizorb and Mercenary Kings. Okay, I know Mercenary Kings. Both of which I own. You can get on the Steam sale Wizorb for $1 right now. You should absolutely get that for $1. It is, it is, it is worth 15 It's a great game. Okay. You ready to talk about Jessica Jones? Eric, oh, good night. Man. Uh, Eric Goodnight is ready for Jessica Jones. Okay. So Robbie Dorman. Okay. Awesome. Full names. Mm-hmm. Biscuit Johansson. <laughs> uh, it is time. With that, for our final segment, it's time for Nerd Boy Book Club. Nerd Boy Book Club is the part of the show when Eric and I will assign a longer collect work and discuss it in depth like you would book club. Um, obviously, there will be spoilers. Uh, so anyone who has not watched the television show or read it yet does not want to be spoiled on certain things that they may share. Uh, warning. Fair warning right now. Uh, I have not watched the show yet. I've heard it's very good. And I haven't watched it either. I, I think it was either watch a couple episodes or read all the comic books. Yeah, time, especially with uh, Thanksgiving stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, two separate Thanksgiving, so not much time to watch, you know, 12, 13 hours of television. Um, this is this is the what launched the Max line of books. This is okay. the first one. They, this is Brian Michael Bendis went to, uh, I, I think it was Alex Yemis at the time. 
uh, Quesada had not taken over completely, um, and he wanted to do a book like this, you know, a more adult book, uh, a look on more a grittier, you know, more street level superhero book that wasn't taught, that wasn't necessarily constrained by their what they do on their normal line. And I'm like, well, why not? We should do something different for it. And they started the Max line. Um, where do you want to start, Eric? I see what Kelly Sue DeConnick was talking about about how uh, Bendis's books are all about your fifis. This book is all about uh, all about how Jessica Jones feels about things. Yeah. Not that that's a bad thing because this book is really effing good. Yeah, it is very good. I I had read I had read bits and pieces of this. I had never sat down and read all of it. Um I I it's yeah, uh it's really good. It's it's uh I I this it invents Jessica Jones whole cloth. Mm-hmm. Kind of pops her into the Marvel universe. Um, this had, you know, they they've attempted to do this multiple times. I don't think it has ever really stuck for the most part. Aside from her, I think the other time I can think of uh, recently was the Century, where they have you know uh, make a character just appear and then he is suddenly he's been in there the whole time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And now he he just he he they killed him because no one not many people like the century. I I like the century, but uh not many people did. Uh Jessica Jones has kind of stayed around and I think that's mainly because of how good this book is. Like the the character work and basis is already here. The century was always just an analog to Superman in a certain way and this is obviously I don't know what books would you compare this to? Mm. If you could it makes me think of, uh, I think it's just because it, it feels so 90s. It's 2001 or 2000, between 2001 and 4, right? Correct. Yeah, that's yeah. what it ran. I keep thinking of Preacher, and it's not really like Preacher. It's, it's, God, it's, it's, it, I can't think of anything that's like this book, and that is really kind of upsetting. Um, God, she's a really rich and interesting character, and these stories are very good because they are the, that kind of detective story, which we really haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of. Maybe like they make me think of some Sandman mystery theater that I've read, but I think that may just be the art style. It seems like there's some some overlap there, but nothing. I don't know. I can't think of of too much, and I know I'm gonna think of something in like five minutes and be like, "Oh, derp that." It's it's it does have a little bit of that Hawkeye in it, you know. Mm-hmm. I could see this being a big inspiration for Hawkeye. So it's got that sort of offbeat set in the Marvel universe, but it's not all about people in tights punching Galactus, you know. I think Comicsology compares it to it compares it to Miss Marvel and Hawkeye for a reason, and I could see it being a precursor to it. It's kind of hard to believe that it came out based on the content and the storytelling and what kind of book this is. It's hard to believe it came out as long ago as it did. It's not hard to believe it came out like looking at it because it definitely looks like it's from that time period, which is kind of the only thing I don't like about it. What, how it looks? Yeah, and I don't think it's bad. The art's not bad. This artist recycles a lot of faces and drawings, and it really bugs me. And he draws Jessica Jones. She looks like a a, a, a less cartoonish version of Kathy. <laughs> I did. That's funny. 
I I think the art is fine. Uh, no, it 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 works. Yeah, I but, think the the action scenes are horrible. Yeah, I think that's where it fails. It really yeah. like this. There, this is not an action oriented artist, and I think that they they do a pretty good job of conveying mood and and emotion and telling the story. But it it always looks like they're ha- asking them to smell their knuckles. That doesn't look like someone's getting punched in the face. Yeah, it's very kind of staticky. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, static is the the right word for it. It's posed. It doesn't look correct. But this is. While it's good and it does a lot of things right, it is also pretty lazy. It reminds me of Dave McKean, kind of, and I don't think Dave McKean is lazy, but he will kind of bullshit through stuff because he can. The covers also remind me of Dave McKean. Are they David Mack? Who are they? I couldn't find a credit for him in these books. Um, Yes, David Mack. Okay. When I was looking at all of them listed in Comixology, I was like, oh, of course it's David Mack that did them. It's a big talent. What do you uh, think about Jessica as a character? She is flawed and interesting, and, you know, it makes her vulnerable in a lot of ways that I think a lot of... I I feel like a lot of male writers are kind of afraid to make a character like this. Like, I don't think she's... I, I come off of it liking her, you know? Yeah. But she does a lot of things that you could be very judgmental about. Yeah, she makes mistakes, plenty. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you don't, you don't know, go. Oh, you don't never. You go. Oh, well, she's human, or you know, she's she's not just a person. Like she can't. You know, yeah. everyone makes mistakes, and the, like she's relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's a big. I mean, a big point in this comic is you know she is a former superhero, and you know you, you feel the divide between her, mm-hmm. like sh- she once was a part of that world you know, very briefly, and now she's down back with, you know, us. You know, that when she goes to Avengers Mansion or to Baxter Building and she can't, you know, she can't get in. She can't can't get an appointment with the Baxter Building appointment robot. Yeah, the Baxter Building appointment robot goes, your voice. What did it say something about the, the, uh, Mm -hmm. the the guys, the voice of your, I don't, I don't like how it, the, uh, yeah, how it oscillates or something. So yes, you're you're denied an appointment, and and I think that you know that that vulnerability is kind of important because it does it centers it centers. You, you need her. that vulnerability to to even have a strong character. Yeah, and that is something that a lot of male writers have been terrified of doing. Treat women characters as precious and they misunderstand what makes a character good and it's writing them like jessica carol danvers kind of collects jessica's doesn't she she does <laughs> i was gonna say do you think she has four jessica's and they're gonna they're gonna be her bridesmaids when she marries war machine or whatever the shit's gonna happen <laughs> well she has uh jessica jones jessica drew mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of another jessica in the marvel universe I can't, but the, there probably are more than one other that sh- they could pull in if they wanted to. <laughs> it's a, it's a very, it's a very Spider Woman thing that she just kind of attacked Jessica Jones without checking her voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like I thought, like I was looking at that, and I'm like, that's kind of a really dumb plot device to break that up. But I'm like, she would absolutely do that. That uh, that is absolutely within her character. I called you. Yeah, she's like, oh, shit, sorry, smack. 
<laughs> she's fucking lays her out. She looks just like Jennifer Connelly. There's a lot of, you know, yeah. sourcing of celebrity. Yes. Uh, the cop in the small town looks like uh, Luke Wilson. Yes, I got that too. Um, who else? There's one other one that really struck me. Oh. Uh, Speedball looks like Rick Moranis. <laughs> they, Speedball would. If only Rick Moranis was like a young, it was a young yeah. Rick Moranis, yeah. Speedball would definitely be. That would, it would, I, that's good casting, honestly. Yeah, like it'd speed be pretty ball, amazing. Speedball would be... Rick Moranis would be a good speedball. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised to see Speedball in here. <laughs> speedball, that that throws me back. I really... I God, I love the Knee Warriors. Robbie Baldwin. In, inexplicably. Became Penance. Mm. God. Bad, bad badness. I liked it when, at the time. Now, I realize it wasn't... It was pretty yeah, bad. It's because we're, we were dumb I, I you know i thought dumb, that was... dumb, dumb. yeah um oh uh yeah i she's yeah you know she drinks and she curses mm-hmm. and makes many mistakes and you know but you still empathize with her i, I don't i you know it's not I, you, you you're rooting for her she's the underdog you want her to succeed and you, i think it's even more so because she Tying in, like, she's an outsider in both worlds. Like, she, there's nowhere where she necessarily belongs. Like, she doesn't run completely, and she's not, like, with us, you know, the non-powered people, but she's not with the super-powered people. You know, she's kind of in between. She has to kind of work that, and, you know, it, it immediately sets her up, sets her up as a likable character, because, you like, she's the underdog. You want her to succeed. You want her to do well. You know, she's poor. You know that you know it's I don't know it, it Ben is so smart in that he set her up. I, I think this book is like is all of his strengths as a writer, and he minimizes like he is certainly has his weak weak spots working in superhero comics. But I feel like having being able to create a character whole cloth and then just kind of work about a very small cast of supporting characters is right up his alley. I think he he starts to flounder when he has to balance, you know, dozens of characters in a team book or something. But with this, it's very focused on Jessica and, you know, a few other characters. She does go through some shit, though. She really does. This last arc. Yeah, the Purple Man stuff. God. It is some of the most... And I, I really like that he doesn't just play the goddamn rape card. Because this is so much more interesting. And it makes her so much more interesting that, I mean, you know, obviously it's a horrible abuse that she's survived, but it, I don't know. It's There's funny. a lot more thought put into it. Yeah. I mean, and they even, she even addresses it, you know, earlier on mm. when she talks about like, why is the, I believe it, I think it's Ant-Man who mm-hmm. who asks her is like, where did you get raped or something? And she's like, why is that the first thing you think of when there's a trauma yeah. It's been inflicted on a woman that, oh, it must have been that she was raped. And, yeah, the Purple Man, I believe, is the main antagonist of the television, of the Netflix series, mm-hmm. which, you know, Doctor Who plays uh, plays Purple Man. Oh, yeah. Old uh, Mr. Tennant. Yep. I, uh, I wonder what his American accent sounds like. Or is he supposed to be English slash Scottish? Kilgrave? I don't know if he has any kind of prescribed accent. I could, I could see Tennant playing this character. I could see it working really well. Yeah, and God, it's what a fucking monster. Yeah, it's it's that's the thing. Like he is Purple Man was always a, like a Z list mm-hmm. villain, 
uh, for a long time. He, you know, he existed prior to this series, and th- they don't like that. That is the most insidious. Like mind control is so insidious of a superpower. Like that's kind of what you know is so kind of I don't know. Professor X at his best mm-hmm. is very much like that's the thing about him that when he's a hero, <laughs> when he's not just written as being a giant dick which he can be from <laughs> from time to time. But when he's written well, like that's kind of a, a very kind of revelatory thing about Professor X is that he has the ability to completely overwhelm someone's will and control them completely. And he doesn't ever resort to that. You know, you know, he never makes, never goes to that. You know, he, no, he could at any point, but he never does. And you see the opposite end of the spectrum here with, you know, Purple Man, where he can do anything he wants with people. And so he does. And, you know, he's a monster. What did you think about that kind of the meta stuff where he's talking like he's in a comic book? It seemed really weird. It, I mean, it did not bother me, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it felt like he was going animal man. Yeah. I, you know? yes, there's some of that in there. I mean, it did, it didn't, it didn't upset me. No. I don't know that it needed it. It did. I think, you, I think maybe it's just to sort of give you that sort of godlike sense of power that he has. Yeah. Maybe the, that's what it is to make it seem insane and otherworldly. He's so, like, he's so abstracted from humanity. From mm-hmm. like just being, you know, seeing people as other people, like they aren't people, you know, they are just things. Yeah, and it's entirely possible that it would not have felt as powerful when we get to this scene where you know Gene contacts her and says, you know, you're you're free, you can do whatever, and she just beats the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really gratifying. It is. It's really good. You're you're like yes, please continue. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fucking terrible. Yeah. What do you think about all the other superheroes that are in the book? It's weird seeing Carol in her Miss Marvel suit. It's really weird. Yeah, it it that is yeah, whenever you go back and you like, oh yeah, she's Miss Marvel at that point and mm-hmm. like she's like it's so like the switch is just like irre- irrevocable at this point. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she is Captain Marvel from now on and that's yeah. like that redesign costume is so much better. Um I don't think the original costume's bad. No, it's not, but I really But it's ev- no, everything has been a step in the right direction. Although I mean, this Carol is not too far off from the Carol that we know. No, no, I, not I can't so, imagine not, what not she was like before this, but I mean, it. Well, it's very spotty. I, I don't doubt that. I mean, it's a female character in Marvel comics. Some of it is downright offensive. I don't doubt that. Um, but he manages to make her seem like she's got a personality and memories and things that she likes and hates and is one of those uh, people things. That's right. That's what it is. <laughs> What do you, I, I, we see Daredevil, we saw Captain America. I, I think, I don't know, Captain America was a little bit weird to me in this. Um, I don't know, he didn't feel human. He felt kind of like superhero robot to me a little bit in this. I think he's just supposed to be like establishment guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's, a lot of them, they're not, they're not characters, they're not people. They're symbols in this. Thor yeah. is a symbol, you know, so is Captain America. Um, the only, I mean, Luke Cage and Carol Danvers are humanized. Daredevil. Um, 
yeah, yeah, Matt Murdock. Uh, I wish he was in it more. I really like him in this. Well, you can definitely see this Matt Murdock, like the Netflix Matt Murdock, mm-hmm. very much this Matt Murdock. You know, like yeah, they, and Bendis ended up writing Mur- Daredevil for a long time, so you know that he's, they definitely he's got an used, aptitude for it. Well, yeah, they there's Bendis's his dialogue style and all this stuff it really it works really all on television so it's not a surprise to me that they pulled a lot of his you know his influenced characters mm-hmm. over to 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 the Netflix television shows versus the movies he looks like a black-haired version of this daredevil mhm um i really and luke cage this is like at the time luke cage really hadn't done any like they hadn't done anything yeah. with luke cage for a long time and Bendis is always Ben. This, you know, Luke Cage is one of Bendis's like you know pet projects, like characters he's always really liked. And you know, he put him in this, and he made him a centerpiece of the New Avengers when he got that book. And you know, that's and Luke Cage now is a very much a very central part of the Marvel universe. Um, I really liked the Jessica Jones Luke Cage stuff in this. Oh yeah, really interesting. Really, I don't know it, it when. How do you like? That's a, a lot of people complain about Bendis. In his superhero books, you know, the in the mainstream superhero books like New Avengers or X Men or whatever, you know, all the, he's done so much. But the fact that it it reads like this too, where it's very much like day to day, you know, people eating cereal or whatever and talking mm-hmm. and having a hundred word balloons. Um, I don't know. Like in a book like this, it it feels perfect. Like I like this very sitcommy kind of um. Why can't I think of the guy's name? Um, wrote the West Wing. Wrote, wrote the West Wing. And oh, you were. I knew you were going to say Sorkin. I don't know why. Yeah, I, didn't Aaron, just, I didn't just say it. I think yeah, Aaron Sorkin. I'm going to start to finish your sentences. Exactly. Like, well, yeah, Aaron Sorkin esque kind of dialogue. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I I I like it in this. I don't always like it in his other books in the more mainstream superhero Kate and Tights book. I I agree with you, but give an example. Um, I mean his. The new Avengers stuff, latter day new Avengers stuff, like mm-hmm. when it started off, I was on board, but it kind of gets more self self indulgent, and a lot of his books do that as they tail tail off. You know, they get longer and longer, and you know, it's just a lot of kind of back and forth dialogue that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, I kind of fell off of all new X Men and Uncanny X Men, like you know, ten, twelve, fifteen issues in, because it kind of was going in that direction where it's just like. It didn't, there's not much stuff happening. It's very much just like, here, let's have ice, the two ice men banter back and forth. You know, and it's funny and it's fun, but there's not much plot happening. You know, it's not a lot of stuff happening. And, you know, sometimes I want things to happen in my X-Men comic book. Like, I want punches to be thrown or mutant powers to be used. Um, uh, you know, it, I don't know. It, it, sometimes it, he falls into like a sinkhole of just having a lot of it. And I don't know. It, when a book like this where it's, like the thesis statement is, look at this used to be superhero is not a superhero anymore, and she's just living her life. Like you know that Hawkeye slice of life stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's of course yes. Like that's like when they're painted as a normal person. Yes, that I feel like yes because normal people you know have back and forth. You know they don't have just a bunch of empty pages necessarily. But I don't know it. It sometimes I guess that line of self indulgency. It, it, kind of hard to pinpoint necessarily and i think that line's different mm-hmm. for everyone but i've always enjoyed his more original like this is obviously you know cr- created jessica jones was original front by him 
and powers, like all that stuff, is by him, is from him, and him, him and his collaborators. Like, I don't know, when you put him in the normal Marvel Universe, I don't like it as much. Or at least it's hit or miss. Like, sometimes I really like it. Sometimes I'm like, eh, eh, I don't need to read this. I mean, it could be editorial decisions that he was given a lot of free reign because this stuff is not necessarily canon. You know, he, yeah. it, it could be that when it's, you know, you're, you're doing an event and it's got to turn back to normal and you know, it, it just could be the constraints don't seem to suit him too well. But, you know, the man can obviously write a story and I don't know, to, to, to write something this good 14 years ago. I mean, there's there's a there's a good reason that this is a big hit on Netflix now. I, th- I think that the world kind of needed to get ready for this. We we have we have finally caught up from this to this book from two thousand and one. <laughs> yeah, and and like this is very much a precursor to, like you said, a lot of the mm-hmm. books that have are now the norm almost. Like it's yeah, you know that this kind of slice of life style, and I don't know. I feel like it's. He has a very particular style. I don't like every Bendis book. There's no, I very rarely have read Bendis books and you're like, what is like, this is so different than what I'd normally read from him. It's very much like the Aaron Sorkin sitcom back and forth banter stuff, but very, you know, down to earth. I don't know. I, maybe it's just, I don't, it's from what I want in those comics. You know, if there's a book called The Avengers, I don't want the Avengers eating cereal. I want the Avengers, you know, doing what Hickman did with him, fighting intergalactic threats or something. Even, even you're you're you're, ha- you're happy to watch uh, happy to watch two Hawkeyes drink coffee. Yeah, two Hawkeyes here's, drinking coffee. Here's here's a question we can tie Hawkeye into this a little bit deeper. Why do you think it feels so much better to uh, to watch Jessica sort of struggle and fuck up and be flawed, and yet both of us were like, oh man, I don't like seeing Kate Bishop. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like seeing her be a fuck up. What? We don't, we don't like seeing Kate yeah. Bishop in the school of hard knocks. I don't know. It feels, I don't know. My whole experience, it, it felt very different than what my experience with Kate Bishop was. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it felt, you know, I always, I liked the, 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 you know, the, the dynamic between the two Hawkeyes in that Clint, I think that role reversal where generally, you know, the older mentor is teaching the young student, like, this is how you do this thing. You know, and this is, you know, these are the tenets to live by, you know, the karate kid kind of thing. And in that, it is reversed in many ways. In that this teenager, teenage girl, is way better, like, she's as good an archer as Hawkeye is. You know, the male Clint Barton is. And, you know, she's better at life than him. And that's the kind of great thing about that dynamic between the two is that, I like Clint, you know, despite him being older and the established Hawkeye, that he could not get keep his life together. And she knew the answer. She knew all the answers. She knew the way, the right thing to do. And that was more interesting to me than just seeing another story about a bo- that both of them are suddenly messed up. Like that is not nearly as interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily a the wrong thing to do. Like I, I, you know, having Kate go off on her own and suddenly she starts making mistakes is not crazy. She's a young girl. No, no, it, know, it 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 does make sense. But taken just, out of her comfort zone, but it's not kind of you know I right. liked so much about those the first half of that or whatever it is. No, absolutely. But it, I just wonder why 
chess has a lot of flaws. Mm-hmm. And I feel up until that, Kate really didn't have any. You know, she was as talented as anyone. I mean, she was a little rough around the edges and was kind of a dick to 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 to, to Clint. But it, it, I don't know. I I I agree with everything you're saying, but uh, I don't know. I and I, you know, I, just, I just think it was. I think it maybe it was just kind of a failed attempt to to do the same thing that had already been done to make Kate vulnerable, and it didn't really work. I don't. It felt like a lot all at once. I think is the mm-hmm. thing to me. Like, and Jessica is introduced right away. You're like, oh wow, she is. You know, she has her issues, and we don't really mm-hmm. discover a lot of the root of them. And that becomes kind of a central mystery to the plot. Honestly, is you know what happened? Why is she like this? You know, obviously there's something. You know, what caused her to? What actually made her quit being a superhero? You know what? You know, and you don't really you don't get her origin or her. You know, the origin of her quitting with Purple Man until the last six issues of the comic book you know you don't get any of that you get all of her trying to deal with you know the the symptoms but not the 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 root of the disease you know and her dealing with those issues is i don't know it it felt those two kate bishops felt very night and day it Mm -hmm. felt suddenly oh suddenly she is just a complete fuck up yeah i'm like and i don't you know just because she suddenly doesn't have her, like the only thing that changed is that she lost her support financially. And that was maybe a little too much for me to buy that suddenly, Oh, she doesn't have any money. So she immediately starts making terrible decisions. Like immediately seems like she just changes the character, you know, on the, on the whim of Matt fraction. Like, you know, it's just suddenly, Oh, now I want to do like a weird kind of throwback noir thing with her in, in California. Like, and it felt very different than what she was in Young Avengers, very different than what she was in that first half of Hawkeye. And I, I am perfectly fine with giving her flaws, but it kind of when she is suddenly, she's very capable and suddenly is incapable of doing anything, it felt disingenuous to make such an abrupt change. Jessica Jones, she starts out the book as a fuck up, you know, trying to get by as a mm-hmm. private detective, constantly being uh harassed by almost everyone like even her friends are getting kind of tired of her shit and you know seeing her kind of you know through this i mean by the end of this book we see her kind of deal with her her problems become you know she has get better clientele honest like become a she work make herself better and it's kind of really engaging like it's really fun like it it feels good to like root for her and see her succeed and like the opposite happens with kate bishop like she's some she's very <laughs> successful and then suddenly she just falls off a cliff and i'm like what because she decided to be ambitious like that's like it like it felt very much like punishment oh you're leaving clint behind so now we need to make you flawed like super flawed like you know i felt like she was always a little bit you know she was young and arrogant in mm-hmm. the way that you know a young rich person would be you know or could be and i felt like there's a way you could have gone further with that without necessarily just making her make terrible decisions in california um over and over and over again you know and i, I you know it's it's a weird thing i don't know i felt like jessica jones journey as a character was very well constructed i think bendis did a great job giving I mean the arcs of this story work really well in building her up and then you know that i think purple man is so impactful that whole purple man arc is so interesting and, and i think she's pretty static up till that point though 
Well, yeah. In a very detective sort of way. What, Jessica Jones? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think she necessarily goes... I, I feel like she... I, I mean, it's... I don't feel like she necessarily feels like she's changed at any, at any point, And she still is definitely, mm-hmm. you know, she's still drinking. And I don't know. I feel like her business is doing better. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she has a client in, in Matt Murdock, which I think is a thing. Like, she has, she's getting friends. She's, she's figuring things out for sure. She's getting, you know, more of her, you know, Captain America, Captain, uh, Miss Marvel at the time, you know, Carol Danvers, you know, mm-hmm. she's kind of building this, these friendships back. You know, her, we see her kind of, her back and forth with Luke kind of grows. Um, I, you know, I, that conversation with them outside of Matt Murdock's off that first, I really like it a lot. It's really about, you know, which, which issue I want to go to. it. Oh, I don't even remember. Um, what arc? It's the arc with, uh, the woman that gets strangled, right? I don't, I think so. So the first arc. I'm not sure if it was the first arc or not. It felt like it was in the middle, but I cannot remember whatsoever. But Matt Murdock was in it a lot. He was. I want to... Remembering things is dumb. It's it, fine. It's really hard. But uh, I felt like it was there in the Rick Jones stuff, maybe. But they're outside of Matt's office. Black Widow walks by. And, uh, yes, with him and uh, yeah, I know what you mean now. Yeah, and talking, uh, to, talking to Luke Cage. And yeah, like he can hear everything we're saying. Yes, exactly. And I really like that conversation. I think it's my aside from the whole Purple Man stuff, which is you know really great. Um, but that conversation between them about. You know, Luke Cage, like Luke Cage, felt kind of skeevy mm-hmm. until that point, mm-hmm. and then no, he's I like, "Agree completely." And then suddenly he's like, "Oh yeah," and I felt like that's you know the book is through Jessica Jones' perspective, and mm-hmm. he is confronting her. He's like, "Why? What's what happened? You know, what what are you?" And you're like, and he's like very much like Luke Cage real talk, which is I always like about Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like adult, you adult, me adult, two adults. You know, we're you yep. know that that you know it made them both more interesting. It did. Um, how were we talking? I've already lost it. Jessica yeah, Jones, the, static yeah. character. No, yeah. I, and, yeah, I mean, I feel like because a lot of it, I don't know. Did you, I, I felt a very much a, like interest in like, okay, what happened? Like I was oh, really, yeah. re- like I needed, like that was really, like as I, the further, the more I read, the more and more and more invested I got in which I was, mm-hmm. you know, I read that through that first arc, you know, the Captain America videotape thing. And I was just like, eh, you know, it's fine. It's, it's good, but it's not, you know. But then, I, you know, as I read more and more, like, I I, I mean, spending the time with her, I think, mm-hmm. does a lot of the work for, for you. It, it certainly pulls you in and, and builds on successes. And it, I mean, as any good character-driven story should. Yeah. You know, when, when people actually have character, you tend to grow fond of them and you kind of want to spend more time getting into their head. And I think this is, it's very successful at doing that. I, I think you're right. They do sort of build up a lot of steam and they, uh, even the second story with Rick Jones, mm-hmm. not that great because the, the sort of gag is that they're both insane. <laughs> and I don't think that's really a great mystery story. No, that, uh, like, you're just like, suddenly, Oh wait, that's not really Rick Jones. He's just a mm-hmm. lunatic. That, that, like, the whole first and second story is she's like, I spend a lot of time qualifying my clients, and neither one of them were properly qualified. That that, that woman was insane and was married to an insane person. You know, everyone involved in that were just bananas. And that the whole first story was her being set up by someone who was also not qualified. 
So, yeah. It, it, it didn't really make a lot of sense from that angle. No, I was, it just, it made me concerned for her. Yeah, no, it did. It wasn't, it, it certainly, certainly weren't bad. I mean, they, they get your interest, they bait the hook, and they, I mean, it, it's. It, I just think, yeah, they're not saying much, I think. No, after, that, w- no. W- which after you get to the, you know, the missing girl and the and mm-hmm. spider girl's that fucked up thing and uh that was it it's pretty fucked up isn't it yeah it is they're like getting they have she's like a hole in her and they're taking stuff out of that oh like she's like a can't like they said cannibalistic oh so mm-hmm. it's that, pretty pretty uh pretty wretched yeah it's pretty awful and and then you know this her your her secret origin book you know that she's in the background of a peter parker spider-man mm-hmm. and suddenly and then the purple stuff like all of that feels each one of those feels like it's doing something like really it's saying something about you know a mi- minority groups or how you know superhero women are fetishized and like stuff like that mm-hmm. when those, Interesting. those first two not much of anything aside from like no no i think he wasn't as ambitious when he started obviously i mean in that in it's just sort of the shape of everything, you know. They start out a little slow, and it builds and builds. I mean, we look at uh, Punisher Max that we just finished. Yeah, same thing. I, I feel like those first, the first, the first two stories in this do set up the fact that she is not powerful. Like, not meaning like strength wise, but like influence wise. Like, she mm-hmm. is a small player in this. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you know she's she's trapped. Like, she just gets stuck in this conspiracy with Captain America and the president. And then, you know, she's obvious, she's hoodwinked by a lunatic, like some, you know, crazy guy and his wife who are both, you know, crazy. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it makes her feel, you know, she is struggling in just this role. And I like they do set her up as an underdog, as a low level player in this and that she's trying to just survive. And I don't know if that's necessary. Like we we talked about that a little bit with Punisher Max as well and that, you know. You have to start somewhere. What do you do with that? Could you start with more impactful things right away? Or do you have to, by necessity, start with, I don't know, not as, quote unquote, important or, I don't know, interesting things? Like, do you have to set the set the, the hook first and then, you know, reel them in? I don't know. I think things just sort of evolve naturally. You know, you st- it's the whole idea of starting with what you have. You know, the, and it was just the whole idea of here's this character, and we're gonna learn about her. And I don't know. It's I think it's a stronger thing to start less ambitious and build on what works. It's the way to execute things better, I think. Yeah. And they, I mean, and it's not like they're not compelling. They certainly kept me reading, and I found after you know several issues, it's like, damn, these are really good. I am thoroughly interested. I cannot find that section where he's talk where she's talking to Luke Cage. No, of course, I don't. I, I I could not. I wish I could remember off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. I also like that. I mean, I the that segment with when she's investigating the the guy who's in the closet with his wife. And they, <laughs> yeah, she talks to him at the bar. She has that nice conversation with him, and then she's like, "Oh, you're that guy." <laughs> I thought it was really funny. He's like, oh, okay. I think it might be kind of unfair. He should probably just get divorced. 
Probably. Probably, yeah. That's probably the healthier thing. Although, whatever, who knows? But they had to, uh, apparently they, they were not allowed to use a lot of um, many of the famous characters because of the Max Imperial. Hmm. Like, Spider-Man makes a very short appearance. But I think they were allowed a certain set of, you know, they, you know obviously we saw, saw Carol Danvers, we saw Daredevil, we saw Luke Cage. But, you know, Spider-Man makes a very, you know, relatively brief appearance. Captain America, they, you know, it's... They probably had a lot of rules and stipulations that they could not really pull them into a whole bunch of a whole bunch of shenanigans. Yeah, exactly. Certainly Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man in I think is a, always a touchy subject, at least at that time. And nowadays, they, you know, obviously they're less precious with him because they let Dan Slott make have Doctor Octopus be him for a couple of years. Mhm. Um I'm trying to think else we discussed. I don't know. I'm I am even more excited to watch the Netflix show. I'll say that. I know. I hope it's as good as this is. I, I'll have, I've heard a lot of really great the, reviews. What about the uh, the little J. Jonah Jameson little mini arc story where she cons him? I really love that. I thought it was awesome. It was very funny. And he was like so indignant. He's like, "I'm going to sue you," and he's like, "You're gonna sue her for giving your money." To, to orphans. Yeah, to orphans and AIDS patients. Yeah, that was... And he's like... <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> she spent $600 on tapioca pudding. It's, it's edible. Yeah, it's really good. It's it's so beautiful. It, it does... It lightens the mood a little bit. You know, there's... I, you know, I, I feel like that if there was one thing in this, a little bit more levity at certain points. Um, you know, there's always a little bit in there. Just because of the like the fuck it nature of her, but I don't know. There it, it, maybe one issue somewhere breaking up it, the, the 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 darkness after, especially after between maybe Maddie Franklin, Sawyer Girl stuff, and her origin and Purple Man. Just, you know, another one of those funny like her just you know scamming J. Joe Jameson. Why don't we have a J. Joe and Jameson solo book yet? Yeah, it'd be pretty magical, wouldn't it? I guess he we get him in silk. I have to read. You just have to read silk for him. Just J. Jonah Jameson being a huge dick to everybody. Yeah, it's kind of his deal. Except for except for silk, he loves silk. Mm-hmm. She's a great hero. She is, except when she's not. Except when she's not. Um, I'll come back to our our usual question. Or who would you recommend this to? Hmm. You know, this is a book that I think people that like superhero books and don't like superhero books should read. You know, I think that it can hit both of those because it's it is very sort of anti superhero, um, kind of counterculture that way. Maybe that's why it reminds me of Preacher. It was certainly at the time. Mm-hmm. Good lord, this artist just recycles so many drawings; it's pitiful. Really bothers me. It's it's not the story that you buy for the art, even though it certainly works really well. So I mean, it's it's for people that like your you know like the detective stories, like the like the noir, you know, not necessarily someone. It is certainly a good example of something outside the superhero genre. While it still kind of skirts it, you know, and obviously there'll be a whole new uh, a whole. Here it is. It is in the Scott Lang date book. Which issue is that? I'll jump outside it. Let's see what the number is. Dang it. I have no idea. 15. Okay. In the middle. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, almost exactly in the middle. 
did not think it would be in the middle of that one. There's going to be a whole audience for this after this show comes out. Yeah. And I think it's it's smart because it's Daredevil is not very comic booky. You know, the the bulk of the series is not super comic booky. This is similar. You know, it's it's ground level real humans, real emotions acting like people. Da- the Daredevil show was very much that. And I think people could read this based on the show and be very happy, very pleased. Yeah, that's, I mean, anyone, I think anyone who likes those Hawkeye books hasn't. Oh, absolutely. Hasn't read, you know, this yet or, you know, the people who read a lot of the, you know, slice of life comic books that are now being more and more omnipresent. Um, would this is another, I mean, it's, it's Max line, but other than the cursing and kind of the dark subject matter, it's not like the Punisher where there's intestines strung up or anything like that. Um, it's adult in a different way, you know? It, it, I don't know. Punisher Max had dark subject matter and gore, like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. This is definitely more like, you know, her, you know, well, this is fuck a lot. Right. And, yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is not like the childish, uh, you know, gore and boobs for the sake of gore and boobs. I think there's, there's not even, there's not even a nipple in this. I don't think so, no. We see, we see more of Luke Cage than we see of, of uh of Jessica Jones nude body. I wonder if they were trying to aim this book at women back then. Still it's marvelous. People that like excellent comics should read this. Yeah, precisely. Unfortunately it is uh as of today it is off sale on Comicsology. So by the time you hear this, it will be back at full price, but uh you should have already bought it to read for read with us, right? And the trades are uh Pretty trades, cheap. Trades are out there now, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. have, trades are pretty cheap. They have ultimate collections as well. You buy mm-hmm. if you want bigger chunks. Um, yeah, I think I, I think you know, anything else you wanted to touch on, Eric? I don't think so. So yeah, next week on an, an about face, <laughs> two two Marvel Max comics. Now we are going to jump over to uh, Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. Noelle Stevenson of Lumberjanes uh, fame. Uh, this is her basically uh, her graphic novel debut, as Amazon says. A uh, National Book Award finalist, uh, selling so like hotcakes when it came out. Uh, I've yet to read my copy. I'm looking forward to it. Eric's gonna finally get a confirmed opinion if he actually likes Noelle Stevenson. I sincerely hope that I do. I've heard nothing but great things about it, so we'll see. So Nimona, Noelle Stevenson, available now paperback from Amazon for eight dollars. No excuse. Unless you don't have eight dollars. Unless you don't have any. Unless you don't have eight dollars, then I guess you have an excuse. Some people have to feed their families. Uh, I think that'll do it for us this week. Ah, uh, that'll do. Yep, Bart'll do. Bart'll do. Uh, we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Find handsomeboyscomicshour dot com. Find everything there. Links to uh, all of our stuff. Uh, Facebook, Facebook dot com slash handsomeboyscomicshour. Twitter at hbc hour. Emails handsomeboyscomics email dot com. And of course, if you like the show, uh, you want to help us out, give us a five star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Um, subscribe. Both those things help us get new listeners. Obviously, if you have a comics fan friend, uh, tell them to give us a listen. Check us out. Uh, direct them to, to one of your favorite episodes. I would say start with episode 100 because I think that is a doozy of an episode. I'm a fan of it. It's a good one. Um, you can find me on Twitter at MixmasterSerial. That's M-I-X-M-A-S-T-E-R-C-E-R-E-A-L. Eric, where can they find you online? 
why you can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. And you can go to Eric Z. Goodnight to see all the other things I get up to online, uh, including a, uh, a Pinterest account and an Instagram where I am known as Easy Goodnight. And you can follow me on Twitter. On Twitter, I am Mr. Bad Example, spelled M-R, Bad Example. With that, folks, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. <laughs>